Anybody who's applied for a job knows that circling the listings and making your resume and sitting through interviews is stressful. But being on the other side of that process is no joke. You create the perfect job description, figure out where you want to post it, and then hope that the right person is going to find it. And pretty much anybody on either side of that hunt will tell you there are no guarantees. But with ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites with just one click. Then, their powerful technology efficiently matches the right people to your job using data. In fact, more than 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. No more juggling emails or calls to the office or interviewing unqualified candidates because they're the only ones who applied. You screen and you rate and manage candidates all in one place using ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use dashboard. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. And right now, listeners to the 10-Minute Writers Workshop can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash 10-Minute. This is the 10-Minute Writer's Workshop with Michael Cunningham. And I'm Virginia Prescott. Michael Cunningham may be best known as author of The Hours, winner of the Pulitzer Prize in Fiction. The book imagines a fateful day in the life of Virginia Woolf and its modern parallels. Nicole Kidman won a Best Actress Academy Award for her portrayal of Woolf in a film adaptation of the book. But Cunningham is a man of many genres. He's also co-written a screenplay, walked readers through Provincetown, Massachusetts with a travelogue, and turned fairy tales on their heads, as he does in his recent collection of short fiction, A Wild Swan and Other Tales. We asked him which is harder to write, the first sentence or the last. Joan Didion said, once you've got the first sentence, the rest is easy. Um, she didn't mean that literally, but yeah, it's the first sentence. The, because in the first sentence, the first paragraph, the first page or two, you're finding the voice, the tone, the point of view. You're kind of figuring out how you want to tell this story. So when you work on something, I'm thinking of the hours, for example, where you're, you're looking at the day in the life of Virginia Woolf, a very consequential day, like mm-hmm. her book, Mrs. Dalloway, mm-hmm. or, or the new collection of stories, A Wild Swan, kind of reimagining fairy tales, that initial inspiration, that initial spark of, of work that turned you on, how do you, how do you keep that going throughout the process? You know, that is frankly one of the hardest parts, and I I know a lot of people who write novels or collections. There's a lot of people who write anything longer than a paragraph or two. Yeah, you have to figure, you have to find a way to stay engaged because it can take years to write a novel, and you change over time, but you have to convey into the novel a consistency that doesn't exactly match your shifting life. You've had a baby. You've gotten married. Things have happened. A parent has died in the course of writing the novel. And that is one of the tricky parts. Does the final version look anything like you uh, originally envisioned? No, no, no. I actually think that it is a good sign when a novel, the finished novel, doesn't look like the novel you thought you were going to write because that means 
in the writing of the novel, you've essentially outwitted yourself. You have defeated whatever little idea took you into the novel and come up with something unexpected and ideally something larger and deeper than what you had had in mind. I've always felt like what I'm trying to do as I write a book and then rewrite it and rewrite it is come up with a finished novel that's at least a little bit smarter than I am. So this new collection of yours, this is a wild swan, classic fairy tales reimagined. But you've also written, you know, for a number of different formats, mm-hmm. evening, a, a screenplay. When you're sitting down to write, is your, your process for writing a fairy tale different than a screenplay? Or is it all just writing to you? You know, it's frankly, it's a little bit of both. Every book is a different experience, as it should be. Um, Every book sort of taps into different parts of not only your brain, but your consciousness, your heart, whatever's left of your heart. Um, but at the same time, yeah, yeah, there is a kind of dailiness to it. You, you show up every day, six days a week in my case, and, and there's the computer screen, and you have to put some words onto it. And that doesn't change from book to book. Do you have a particular writing space or rituals or, you know, cup of tea or schedule <laughs> that you follow for writing? You know, the, the, the one thing that matters most to me is that I've learned that I have to wake up in the morning and go straight to the writing, that I have to segue from sleep and dreams into writing because part of what you're doing, what I'm doing as a fiction writer, is trying to maintain a sort of cultivated delusion about the realness of of what you're writing. And I've learned long ago that if I do errands, if I talk on the phone, if I have contact with with the the great big world outside my studio, when I look at what I've written, I think, well, I'm just making this up. You know, this isn't as real as a dry cleaner. This isn't as urgent as a phone conversation with my father. So I, I... I maintain this sort of unbreakable link between waking up, having my coffee, and getting to it. Everything else is negotiable. Hmm. Cultivated delusion. I love the phrase. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you know when you're done or, or, or when, when to share, when to walk away? You know, knowing when you're done is one of the most difficult questions, certainly for me, because... Even if I'm fairly happy with the way a book has turned out, I inevitably had hoped for more, which is a good thing, which is how it should be. Your ambitions should at least slightly exceed your abilities. You have to figure out when it's time to just let it go, mm-hmm. <laughs> when, when this is all you can do. And over the years, I have developed a slightly better sense of when I've reached that point, when in rewriting, I'm not making it better, but I'm just making it different. I'd like to pick up on this let it go idea because you did write the novel, The Hours. There was a screenplay written for it for a very successful film. David Hare, mm-hmm. I think, uh, wrote the screenplay. Yeah, did. What is it like to really let it go, to hand over control hmm. of your work <clears throat> to someone else? I'm fine about that. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, fr- I frankly, and here is where I think I part company with some other writers. I don't think of the published novel as some kind of holy text. I'm not especially precious about it. It's the best I could do. And 
lurking in the back of my mind is the the, uh, the idea that, you know, there's a somewhat better book that slightly eluded you. There's a darker, funnier, deeper version that you just weren't up to. And so the idea of somebody as gifted as David Hare, the screenwriter, and Stephen Daldry, the director, the idea of brilliant people like this taking it somewhere else, doing something else with it, is fantastic to me. Well, your novels have hit on some really sensitive topics, and they come up again in the A Wild Swan and the stories in there. Mental illness, suicide, mm-hmm. AIDS, LGBT issues, disability and disfigurement comes up a lot in these stories. I know. Hey, hey, there, hey, there are jokes and sex scenes, too. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> Let's not forget. I just don't want to. Yes, please. People not gloomy. think that it's gl- the Brothers Grimm grimified even more. Right. <laughs> Oh, 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 listeners, please understand that that the books have fun parts. (laughs) But how do you make sure that when you're writing about these very touchy, sensitive things that you're striking the right chord? Do you have someone read for you, you know, read back to you what you've read? I do. I do. I do. I have a little SWAT team of readers. I have a great editor, (laughs) a great agent, and I have a few friends who I trust implicitly to talk to me about exactly that. I want what I read, and then, of course, by extension, what I write, to be about matters of real seriousness. But I don't want them to be a drag. Mm-hmm. Um, so then does the sex and jokes team sweep in afterwards? <laughs> no, I like that. I put the sex and jokes in myself. <laughs> it's, not like, it's not like I'm, 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 I'm standing Farming with a noose around my neck and then somebody, the joke squad has to come in and force me to make them more fun. I, I, I you know, I, I, I actually do both. I, I will say that the books come out a little more, um, the books are more serious than... I am as a person. That's just somehow the way it seems to work. Um, I hope this won't sound funny, but sometimes when people meet me, um, every once in a while, and they've read a couple of my books, there'll be a moment when they say, oh, you know, you're sort of funnier than we thought you mm. would be. You know, because I have a squirting boutonniere and a hand buzzer and uh, all that <laughs> whoopee cushion. <laughs> Michael, what is the best piece of advice that you ever got about writing? Great teacher of mine, Hilma Wallitzer, um, still a friend. She told me to, whenever I finished a story, read it over, give every sentence a grade of either A or B. We're assuming there's no Cs, but the As are the stellar, beautiful... You know, prize-winning cabbages, and the, the Bs are, are perfectly fine. And then she said... Michael Cunningham, go back and take out all the sentences to which you've given A's because those are demonstrations of your talent. They are advertisements for yourself. They are precocious and a little much. They're self-serving and not in service to the story. It's the best advice anyone ever gave me, and I still follow it. It must have been really painful to do it, though. (laughs) <laughs> um, until it wasn't, you know, until until it was clear that by doing that, I, I produce clearer, less cluttered prose. Michael, thank you so much for speaking with us. It's been great talking to you. Thank you. 
Michael Cunningham, Pulitzer Prize-winning author of The Hours, The Snow Queen, and most recently, A Wild Swan and Other Tales. The 10-Minute Writers Workshop is a production of NHPR, produced by Sarah Plort, with help from Taylor Quimby. If you like the podcast, head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and a review. It helps other writerly and readerly folks find us. Until next time, thanks so much for listening.